This episode of the Up for Discussion podcast is brought to you in part by Chaos Labs. That's chaos with a K. Are you a scriptwriter? Do you have a script, a finished script specifically, that you want to see produced? You can go to chaoslabs.com slash script dash submission and submit your script to them. Chaos Labs are a production company based out of Montreal, Quebec, and Kelowna, BC. They make fantastic short films and stuff, and they want to work with you. So if you want to submit your script to them, you can hit the link in the description of this episode to do that easily, or you can just go to chaoslabs.com and find the script submission page there. Again, that's chaos with a K. On with the show. It just takes a little time. It takes a little time. It takes a little time with me. I hope you don't mind. We'll take it slow this time. Hi, I'm Tom Zalatni, and you're listening to episode 290 of Up for Discussion, a show about great food and the people who love to make and eat it. Every week, we tackle a different ingredient, dish, or style of cuisine, sharing our favorite recipes and learning from our wonderful guests. Today, we're talking all about mac and cheese. You know, noodles, cheese, sauce, maybe it's on the stovetop, maybe it's baked. But before we dig in, I want to take a minute to acknowledge that the studio where I'm recording is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember that the lands we occupy are not our own, and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. So I want to encourage you to take some time today and every day to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and with the indigenous communities of that area. Stephen Page and Ed Robertson said it best, if I had a million dollars, we wouldn't have to eat craft Dinner, but we would eat craft Dinner. Macaroni and cheese, whether you get it from a box or painstakingly make it by hand, whether you cook it stovetop or throw it in the oven and bake it like a casserole, one thing rings true. Mac and cheese is the king of comfort foods. According to Wikipedia, people have been making cheesy pasta dishes since medieval times. Here's a quote from a 14th century cookbook called Form of Curie. Take and make thin foil of dough, and curve it on paces, and cast hem on boiling water, and seep it well. Take cheese, and grate it, and butter cast by nethin and above as lozines, and serve forth. Since none of that was at all intelligible, I'll translate. Make a sheet of dough, cut it in pieces, boil it, and layer it with cheese. I guess this sounds more like a lasagna, but you get the point. People love cheesy pasta. Let's hear from a few of my friends about how they love their mac and cheese now. My first guest on today's episode is my buddy Matt Cole. Matt is one of the co-hosts of the Debate This podcast. Matt, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Do you want to uh, situate yourself geographically for people just so that they know kind of where your mac and cheese context is coming from? Uh, Yeah, I hail from the armpit of America, which we like to refer to as Ohio. Uh, but that being said, my family is from, well, half of my family is from Richmond, Virginia, and I have eaten a lot of Southern cooking in my day. Uh, and I think that between growing up in Appalachia, Pennsylvania, eating a lot of Southern food, and then having half of my family also from the Midwest, now living in the Midwest, most of my human makeup is cheesy pasta that's honestly a pretty good place to be you know yeah right i mean there's just something special about the sound of macaroni in a pot 
that's some wet ass pasta. Um, okay, so so that kind of gives a, gives me and I think gives the listeners a pretty good sense of like who you are and your relationship to to mac and cheese. So when I started chatting with you about hopping on an episode of this, uh, it was partly because we've never actually done anything together one-on-one. I've been on Debate This a couple of times, uh, which is, for anyone listening who doesn't know, Debate This is a very fun video game podcast, and you should check it out if you are into video games or people having fun. But uh, I was like, okay, I really want to do something one-on-one with Matt. And we spent a lot of time messaging each other very specifically about Guy Fieri. Yes, yes, you and my girlfriend are my food network friends. Like you are the people that I talk to about my sickening food network addiction. I uh, I often think about how in an ideal world where we had infinite time and resources to do stupid nonsense, I would love to do a podcast called The Fieri Guys, where you and I watched through, I don't know, just every episode of Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives and like talk about them or something. I, I haven't thought too much about it because it's dumb. All 411 Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives episodes and counting. Is there only 411? It feels like there should be thousands. Man, that was a strange use of the word only you just did there, Tom. <laughs> what can I say? I know what I like and I want a lot of it. And what I like is Guy Fieri. I love Guy Fieri. Um, so yeah, I was like, okay, Matt is someone I talk to a lot about food. Gotta get you on the show. Gotta get you on within one of the first couple episodes of our new food format. Uh, and I asked you specifically because I hadn't figured out what topics we were doing yet going forward. This is some behind the scenes for people. Uh, you were one of the first guests I booked. And I was like, I don't I don't have, like, my patrons hadn't submitted anything yet in terms of requests, so I was really just flying by the seat of my pants. And I was like, well, what do you want to talk about? And you said mac and cheese. I did. I did say mac and cheese. And that's the same answer that I gave uh, when I was a senior in high school. And my mom said, what food do you want at your graduation party? And I said, I don't care as long as it's mac and cheese and mashed potatoes. Everything else is just accoutrement. Ooh. Uh, together? Mac and cheese and mashed potatoes? Like, do you do you eat them on the same, you know what I'm saying? Same meal? I mean, there's there's nothing wrong with that. Like, that's, no. just, that's just mashed potatoes with texture. Like, it's all starch. <laughs> it's all starch. And you can put cheese in mashed potatoes if that cheese comes in the form of mac and cheese I see no problem there. Yeah, no, I get that. I think of it as like, uh, I was about to ask if you guys have KFC down there because I'm a dumbass. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's very good. Do you, America, place where Kentucky is, have Kentucky Fried Chicken? (laughs) Do you? Yeah, Uh, yeah, we do. I I think about it as like, you know when you get a KFC bucket and there's like all the sides that you get, the, the little macaroni salad and the coleslaw, I feel like, they maybe send some kind of potato thing as well. Am I yeah, wrong yeah, about that? Yeah, uh, they have. Well, so now they have the big thing at KFC now is the like fried potato wedges because um, now they fry potatoes and they haven't had fries before. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah, there is also mac. No, not mac and cheese. There is mac and cheese, but there is also mashed potatoes Amazing. as an option at KFC. And also Popeyes, which I will put my foot on the ground right now and say is better than KFC. You know what? I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, Yes. I don't know how many Popeyes there are in Canada. I don't think there's any in Montreal specifically. I went to one in Ottawa like about a year ago, and it was life-changing. Dude, it's so good. And uh, the, the, the chicken sandwich is worth all of the hype. And I know we're not here to talk about chicken sandwiches today, However, I will evangelize for the Popeye's chicken sandwich. <laughs> yeah, I mean, fair enough, honestly. Like, I think that if 
if ever there was a chicken sandwich worth evangelizing for, it would be the one from Popeye's. And I'm contractually obligated to pretend that I like the one from Burger King more. So it's saying something that I'm breaking that contract and talking about Popeye's right now. Yeah, exactly. So Matt, let's talk about Matt, Matt and Cheese. Oh boy. Let's talk about <laughs> Mac and Cheese. You, you know what, Tom? If you want to call me Matt and Cheese for the rest of your life, I won't say no. I'm doing it. Yeah. So what's your uh, what's your preference with Mac and Cheese? Because I feel like, I mean, like I was saying in the intro of the episode, there are so many different ways you can have it, right? You can have your kind of craft dinner situation, or you can go, you know, fancy with it. And I feel like there's no right or wrong answer. So what's your like... What tickles you in the tummy in the nice ways? Oh, baby. Uh, so I say often that you can't mess up mac and cheese. And I pretty firmly believe that. Like, you can make bad mac and cheese. 100% you can make bad mac and cheese. I've eaten a lot of bad mac and cheese. But it's so impossible to mess up cheesy pasta. Uh, and with that said, I don't really have like anything that I'll say no to in the sense of mac and cheese. I have a very open relationship with mac and cheese. Like sure. if you if you make mac and cheese, I'm gonna put it in my mouth. Uh, I'm not particular about the terms and conditions of said mac and cheese. But what I will say is that I have some really strong favorite ways to eat mac and cheese. Okay. Um, so like my top, the, the type of mac and cheese that just gets, absolutely gets my rocks off, which is a gross thing to say about mac and cheese, but I stand by it, sure, is yeah. making an entire box of stovetop craft Easy Mac, right? So you make your stovetop craft Easy Mac, mm-hmm. then you take it directly out of the pot, put it into a like Tupperware container, and you put it in the fridge overnight. Okay. And then you eat it cold. That uh-huh. is that is my ideal favorite kind of mac and cheese, and that's that's a really blasphemous thing to say. And haters, feel free to at me. I will at you right back. <laughs> Uh, cold ass pasta is 110% delicious. So like, if you want my, the type of mac and cheese that I could eat literal pounds of, it's cold Easy Mac. But my other, my other like flip on that is Stouffer's mac and cheese. Uh, big, big fan of the Stouffer's family pack, stick it in the oven mac and cheese. Just, yeah, huge. You know, I sound like a really big supporter of capitalism right now, but I'm just going to say, like, Kraft and Stouffer's, um, if you want to sponsor my existence, I'm in. <laughs> uh, so that's, that's that's like, thing one and thing two. And then thing three in the middle is definitely the homemade option, which I have to give all love and credit to my uh, girlfriend, Maddie, who makes the most incredible homemade mac and cheese that I think I've ever had in my life. And it is a hundred percent dairy free because she's super lactose intolerant. Wow. So I have to say that as much as I love Kraft and Stouffer's out of the box, I also strongly adore my girlfriend's dairy free oven baked breadcrumbed mac and cheese. Hell yeah. You know what? I uh, I will say one, you can totally get like lactose free cheeses, which are the bomb for someone who is lactose intolerant like myself. But you know, <laughs> I, I still will eat a pint of ice cream most nights and just deal with the consequences. Um, but uh, two, I wanna I wanna talk a little bit about um, one, the cold craft. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit on all three of these things. In fact, uh, so let's start with the cold craft dinner thing. I love that. I can't say that I share that 
like specific appreciation because I am not admittedly a huge craft dinner person, but I really appreciate like I don't hear from people often enough that they prefer things the next day cold and uh i am with you in in that respect in that there's a lot of foods that i actually love eating the next day cold out of the fridge for breakfast that are like totally dinner foods um like we had indian food for dinner last night we ordered from this local indian place and uh i had you know (laughs) i had butter chicken for breakfast i don't care whatever it was delicious yeah you did (laughs) yeah and like I'm a I'm a big proponent of like cold pizza for breakfast the day after. Like usually when we order pizza, I order something else with dinner and I eat something else for dinner and then the next day I have pizza for breakfast straight out of the fridge. So I am right there with you on the cold leftovers. I think that is admirable even if I don't specifically like craft dinner. On the Stouffer's thing. <laughs> oh baby, okay, let's go. Let's go. I've never had Stouffer's. I don't I I have no idea if it's available in Canada and I just haven't, you know, bought it but i gotta give credit to a company that whether jokingly or not released a product that is a mac and cheese on tap machine did you see this when it came out a little while ago oh man listen i saw it and immediately put it on my amazon wish list and i do not like amazon like i don't even have an amazon account and i was like i'm making an amazon wish list and maybe an only fans just so somebody can simp for me and buy me on tap mac and cheese. You know what? I completely understand. I I don't like Amazon either, but I would, you know, if that was the only way to get a Stouffer's on tap mac and cheese dispenser, I would do it. It's a horrifying concept, but I would do it. I just don't want to think about what the texture of, of, of on tap mac and cheese would be like, you know? Yeah. And so that's one of the things that like, when I say you can't mess up mac and cheese, but you can have bad mac and cheese. I think that texture is often what that comes down to, right? Because texture doesn't change the taste. It just changes the experience. And so I'm sure that the texture of on mac and cheese is bad, but that doesn't change the taste. Right. So uh, if I'm, uh, honestly, if I'm going to eat tapped mac and cheese, it's probably going to be open mouth waterfall style <laughs> under the tap and I'm probably going to be intoxicated and at that point I don't know that I care about the texture. And and honestly, like one of my one of my big kind of philosophies on this show is that there's no such thing as a bad food, you know? There's no there's no wrong way to eat a food and there's no such thing as bad food if it tastes good and brings you joy. And I think that that is maybe like what is true of of the Stouffer's on tap mac and cheese too, right? Is that like it has a purpose and its purpose is to bring you joy even if it is like maybe the, the lowest quality way to consume mac and cheese yeah exactly yeah. i i want to go back and just say for a second that i googled is stouffer's mac and cheese available in canada and according to walmart.ca slash grocery it is okay. and it's 297 at, at your local wally world so uh, you should get yourself some Stouffer's mac and cheese so that you can experience how good it is. I will put it on my list for this week. Lastly, I want to touch on uh, your girlfriend's homemade dairy-free mac and cheese. Uh, how does she do it? What's her What's her thing? So I actually, she sent me the recipe and said if I wanted to read the recipe, I could. So if you don't mind, I would love to, to give you at least the ingredient breakdown. Sure. My girlfriend in quarantine actually got really, really close to starting a dairy-free food blog because we, well, I, let me say that I am a huge dairy person. I grew up in a a big dairy farm town where we had like a milk queen and stuff like that. 
So I'm I'm all dairy all the time, and I'll drink a gallon of milk in a day if I'm left unattended. Sure, yeah. And so when we discovered just how severely lactose intolerant was, it was a really big change for our lives because all of the things that we had ever eaten had dairy in them right. in some way. And so I wanted to make sure that I could be supportive of her uh, as my like long-term life partner and not be like, all right, well, that's cool. You eat your weird vegan plastic. Um, I'm going to eat real cheese. <laughs> and I definitely still keep a lot of dairy around the house, but I wanted to make sure that I would you know, deal with vegan cheese and, and learn to appreciate dairy-free foods. And so she got really close to starting this food blog because she has reworked every recipe that we had in the house to be completely dairy-free or be cooked with dairy-free ingredients. And it, it's been incredibly successful and she's an amazing cook. And she got super close to starting this food blog. And then we both got called back to our terrible service jobs that suck our souls in all of our time. <laughs> and so she hasn't had time yet, but I'm trying hard to evangelize for, I've said the word evangelize a lot on this podcast. I'm sorry, my ADHD just kicked in, but uh, I I try really hard to evangelize for her recipes because they're so good and I want the world to know them. So her dairy-free mac and cheese is a half cup dairy-free butter, a quarter cup of flour, a tablespoon of, or yeah, a tablespoon of sugar, two and a half cups of almond milk, one cup, and this is specific, Kite Hill plain unsweetened yogurt. Okay. Because we used to put cream cheese in it, and obviously cream cheese is full of dairy. Right. And dairy-free cream cheese is not the best. Okay. But Kite Hill plain unsweetened dairy-free yogurt is. And then you go one block of Daya cheddar cheese. Daya is very much the best vegan cheese. This is something I've heard, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I So when we first tried vegan cheese, we like brought a bag of it home. And I'm the type of person who like, I'll just bare hand cheddar cheese out of the bag and stuff it in my greasy mouth hole. Hell yeah. And so we brought home this bag of vegan cheese. And I was like, all right, I'm fearless. Let me just shove this in my mouth. And it was terrible. And so we tried all of the vegan cheeses until we found the best one. And I will say that that Daya and I think it's called like Have a Heart or something like that are definitely definitely the top tier vegan cheeses. Fair. Um, yeah, but uh, so you get you get your eight ounce container of dairy free cream cheese on top of your one cup Kite Hill plain unsweetened yogurt. Then you do six to eight slices of Chow original slices two to three slices of dairy-free Gouda cheese, and then you go two, crumb, two cups breadcrumbs, a third of a tablespoon of melted butter, and a box of macaroni. So it's important that you layer as many cheeses <laughs> and as much fake dairy in there as you can, uh, but I, you would never believe, you, you wouldn't believe it's not butter. Uh, <laughs> you, you wouldn't believe that it's actually dairy-free. It's just so, so, so good. It sounds and, good. I know there there's some like discourse as to whether or not you put breadcrumbs on mac and cheese. I firmly believe that you should. Again, texture, but yeah, yeah. There's my there's my long rant about how good my girlfriend's mac and cheese is <laughs> that none of you, the listener, get to experience. And I'm sorry. I mean, you just gave them the recipe, right? So they can, yeah, they can I, try it out. I uh, 
I'll, I'll like text you the recipe and you can put it in the show notes if sure. you so choose to do that with your show notes on this podcast that I do not run and I'm just a guest on. <laughs> if you send it to me, I will make it possible. Dope. Um, yeah, I love that. I, um, I especially love that it combines a lot of different kinds of vegan cheese because I think that that is... In my experience, my favorite mac and cheese... Uh, okay, I have a favorite boxed mac and cheese, and that is something called Wacky Mac, uh, which is kind of... Wacky kinda, Mac? Yeah. What is that? Wacky Mac is... Uh, functionally, it's like the kosher alternative to craft Dinner, um, but it's like... <laughs> they use like wagon wheels as the shapes, which is just fun. Um, <laughs> my buddy David, my, my co-host on the show, actually, David Hall, he uh, introduced me to Wacky Mac back in college, and uh, it's just got a really special place in my heart. Um, I also really like the like Annie's homegrown white cheddar shell box mac, whatever. Um, yeah. But my like absolute favorite with mac and cheese is really to have like one that you can just taste like layerings of different cheese product in. So I really like that your girlfriend goes the extra mile with her vegan mac and cheese and uses like how many different kinds of fake cheese in there? Like three, four? Uh, I think three. So there's three types of fake cheese not counting the fake cream cheese and right. then also yogurt and cream cheese right. so f- three types of cheese five types of fake dairy yeah and i think <laughs> that's what sets homemade mac and cheese apart from boxed mac and cheese yeah um because as much as i love you, you know powdered cheddar like whatever that flavor <laughs> is basically just a flavor call that you would put on popcorn right um but as much as I love that that sweet, sweet plastic aroma, um, you don't get the depth in flavor that you can get from homemade mac and cheese or restaurant mac and cheese, which is definitely the added cheeses, you know, because cheddar and American can definitely only go so far. I'm a big Gouda fan, yeah. so anything with Gouda in it that has that, like, smoky undertone is going to get a lot of love from me. So, yeah, I think that you really, I think the taste of mac and cheese for me is cheddar, but the depth of mac and cheese comes from whatever else you add on top of cheddar, be it like Gouda or Brie or, I don't know, blue cheese if you're a pervert or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I absolutely get that. I, um... This is a controversial take, and we don't have a ton of time left before I'm going to have to let you go and call the next person, but I'm going to tell you about the perversion of mac and cheese that I always make. I'm stoked. I'm going to let you in on my dirty little secret. Uh, I, in fact, made this today, like a few hours ago before recording. I always, whenever there's a recording in the evening, I make dinner at like two or three in the afternoon, so it's just ready so that I can, you know, not feel bad for ditching my family at dinner time. And I, uh, I make my mac and cheese. I do it baked in the oven, uh, you know, as opposed to baked on the stove. Um, and I, uh, what I do is I get ideally shell pasta, just because I, I like the the way it kind of cups the sauce a little bit. Um, <laughs> I will, I will coat the edges of the pot that I'm that I'm baking it in. Uh, you know, I, we've got like a Le Creuset, whatever you want to call it dutch oven thing um and i will coat the edges of that in like just a stupid amount of butter uh mix my pasta with a can of cream of mushroom soup mm, mm, uh Tom. frozen peas and corn oh i'm not done oh no uh barbecue spice rub blend okay um, yeah and then uh like two or three kinds of cheese grated on top yeah i mean i don't hate that i think that <laughs> 
I think peas and corn are definitely, like, if you're going to mix vegetables into mac and cheese, peas and corn are great options for that. Right. Um, I don't love, actually, I won't even say that I don't love, I hate mushrooms. Okay. And so cream of mushroom soup is a hard pass, but I definitely, I hear that a lot as a mac and cheese additive. Mm-hmm. You know, the the reason I do the cream of mushroom, to be totally honest, is because Taffer makes it with a bechamel sauce that is dope. Uh, and I just don't have the like patience to make a bechamel sauce every time I want to make big mac and cheese. So if I'm feeling lazy, I will just crack open a can of cream of mushroom soup. Um, I've used cans of tomato sauce before instead, which is also awesome. It really just changes the flavor profile a bit. Um, but it's mostly I'm just kind of <laughs> it's my turn to evangelize. I'm evangelizing for the like... <laughs> You know, it's a few steps more complicated than boxed mac and cheese, but it's still a bunch of ingredients that you can buy for like a dollar or two each at the grocery store and just dump in the pot and mix together. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that one pot magic is definitely like the glory of mac and cheese, right? Um, and I, I'll, I'll share briefly um, before, before you need to let me go. One of my favorite perverse ways to eat mac and cheese. Uh-huh. Um, is it with a so- mask on? <laughs> just just shove it through that's how you know if your mask is good or not um if you can't if you can't suck pasta through your mask it's a good mask um but i i will say that two of my favorite ways to go with mac and cheese one so i i get a lot of from where i work um because everyone knows that i'm just a trash panda like if people have expired frozen food they'll be like hey do you want this i'll leave it in the the work fridge for you and I've been getting a lot of the Bob Evans microwavable family pack mac and cheeses, okay. which let me tell you are not good. However, <laughs> if you put enough Old Bay in them mm. and eat it with like, I personally specifically white bread, I think it's very, very good. But my favorite super perverse cursed way to eat mac and cheese that I take a lot of heat for is with honey. Oh, Um, yeah, it's very, very good. Um, I will say that the best like honeyed mac and cheese is with uh, big, thick elbow pasta because you need pasta that's big enough to hold the honey onto it. If you just kind of mix it in with the sauce, you sort of lose the flavor. But a good honey drizzle on a mac and cheese, especially if it's one that isn't like super soupy, but is more like clumpy, right? Like ah, sticky mac and cheese. I don't know if that's a delineation <laughs> of mac and cheese, but uh, if you put honey on mac and cheese, it's it's a hard go-to for me. Interesting. And definitely, like if I'm eating Easy Mac night of, and I'm not going to put hot dogs and ketchup into it because I do put ketchup on mac and cheese mm-hmm. like a monster. Um, <laughs> I'll put honey onto it, and it's it's very very good. Honestly. I'm not a huge honey person, but even I would be willing to give this a try because I I do like the interplay of cheese and like the sort of sweetness of honey. I would very much like for you to try it and let me know what you think because that's the one that like anytime somebody sees me eating it and is like, that is a crime against man and God. I'm like, it isn't. And this is, I'm going to force you to try. Um, (laughs) So I would, I would implore you to try putting 
honey on your mac and cheese and letting me know what you think of it. I will, uh, next time I have uh, box mac and cheese specifically, I will do that and I will let you know. Perfect. Uh, Matt, thank you so much for joining me tonight on Up for Discussion. Uh, Do you want to plug anything or give any like final words of wisdom before I let you go? Uh, Yeah, sure. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I, ever since you did the food rebrand, actually not even before the food rebrand, when you did your like food tournament back in March. I was like, I need to get on up for discussion. I need to do it now. So <laughs> thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, if you want to check out more of my podcast, you can find us on all social media at debate this cast or at debatethiscast.com. We argue over questions in comic books and video games that no one is asking. Like what color Yoshi is the best color Yoshi. And I think an episode that will be out by the time this episode comes out uh, that we just did is which superhero would be the worst roommate which was a lot of fun (laughs) oh my god Um, yeah (laughs) Uh, and if you just want more of my brand of perverse mac and cheeses and also super strong political activism you can follow me on twitter at mc underscore dj underscore mc i uh for a hot second thought you were about to tell me about a podcast that was about mac and cheese perversion and politics at the same time and i was so excited uh i am going to start that podcast now (laughs) uh i don't i think i'm i want to call it wet ass pasta i came on here like determined to make wet ass (laughs) pasta something (laughs) i don't know what it's gonna be but now i think it's gonna be my my hyper liberal uh political activism and perverse mac and cheese podcast wet ass pasta coming to a podcatcher near you it has a sound matt never change (laughs) you neither tom have a good night talk to you soon you too thanks again Bye. bye I want to take a minute here in the middle of the show to once again plug your local food bank. Uh, Given that this episode is all about mac and cheese, this feels like a good time to point out that for a lot of people, even something that's theoretically as cheap to make as mac and cheese can be hard to pull off. That's why it's important to donate regularly to your local food banks, if you have the means, of course. Uh, And that's also why for the rest of September, I'm going to be making a commitment to uh, donate a dollar for every new review that the show gets on Apple Podcasts, I'm going to donate a dollar to the NDG Food Depot. The Depot NDG uh, is what their official name is, uh, which is my local food bank. Um, I have heard them say that they can turn a dollar into three dollars in terms of like the value that they get out of people's cash donations. Uh, I don't know how that math works, but they are very good at grocery shopping, I think is what it comes down to. Uh, so yeah, if you want to, you know, make me donate a dollar, which feels like donating three dollars to my local food bank, you can leave a review of this show on Apple Podcasts and uh, I will do that. It takes like two minutes, and it'll help put foods on the plates of some people who really need it. So yeah, please do that if you're an Apple Podcast user. If you're not, but you still want to help, uh, get in touch, and I will, I guess, direct you to the donation page for the Food Depot, you know, because that way you can just donate directly. Yeah, I'll do that. Okay, let's get into the second part of today's show. I'm calling up my co-host, Jeremiah, to talk about Trinidad Macaroni Pie. Hey, how you doing? Pretty good. How are you doing? I'm good. Welcome back. How was your summer? It was interesting. Well, uh, it's it's good to have you back. Good to hear from you again. Yeah, it's nice to be back. So obviously today we are talking about macaroni and cheese. 
Mm-hmm. And when I pitched you the list of, you know, upcoming episodes and asked which ones you wanted to hop on, you were like, oh, I definitely want to talk about macaroni and cheese. Uh, and you had a very specific recipe in mind you wanted to talk about. Yeah. Well, I might not talk about the recipe too much because, like, I can't give away the secrets. But <laughs> an alternative version of macaroni and cheese, a superior version Ooh. of macaroni and cheese, um, it's called macaroni pie, and it's a dish from Trinidad. It probably is spread across other Caribbean islands, but it's definitely a big thing in Trinidad when people are like, ooh, what's like Trinidadian food? Macaroni pie is like one of the things they talk about. And it's macaroni and cheese on steroids. It's amazing. It's delicious. Uh, when I looked it up, I think it is like primarily like a Trinidad thing. Because I, yeah. when, when I Googled macaroni pie, every recipe that came up was very specifically Trinidad macaroni pie. It's like, okay, cool. Yeah, we do it best. So, like, what sets it apart from a normal mac and cheese? Because you say it's on steroids. Yeah. Well, again, can't reveal too many secrets. But depending on how you make your mac and cheese, some people's mac and cheese is just, like, in the pot, macaroni with cheese sauce. And you're like, I, yeah, that's okay. Some people go the step further. They put it in a casserole dish with some cheese on top, bake it for a bit. Okay, yeah, that's pretty good. But, like, macaroni pie is, like, like, you take it out of the oven, you take it out of that casserole dish, and you can legitimately, like, slice pieces out of it. Like, it's it's thick. It's got body. <laughs> it's It's got character. Like, ooh, it hits you. Part of the secret is that we use evaporated milk, and we actually, like, put eggs into the cheese sauce when we're mixing it all up. So it's, like, fluffy, and it sticks together, and it's, it's real good. I also always incorporate pepper sauce in mine so it's got that like distinct trini flavor with the scotch bonnet in it it's good and like everybody makes it differently obviously everybody has their own recipe but like when we make it at my house there's like six different kinds of cheese that go in there i like this i like um my kind of go-to is to do a really busy mac and cheese uh like i will I mix my noodles, and this is maybe controversial, but I will mix my noodles with like peas and corn, and like I throw a can of uh, cream of mushroom soup in there to thicken it up. And uh, you know, say what you will about that, whatever. But uh, I really I like the idea of a mac and cheese that has body, and I think I hadn't thought of it thought about it that way until you said it. But yeah, that that thickness and having kind of a texture to it, um, and I like the idea uh, of having eggs incorporated into there because you're right, it does kind of like it would simultaneously make it a little bit fluffier and also act as like a binding agent so that your your macaroni pie is like thick and and one piece because that's the problem oh, yeah. i always have with my mac and cheese is like the top ends up being this like beautiful golden crust right and then i cut into mm-hmm. it to serve it and i pull out a scoop and half the scoop falls off back into the pot and i have to like <laughs> scoop a whole bunch more times to get everything because under the crust it's just noodles you know yeah yeah, you don't have that problem with macaroni pie, for sure. It's thick with, like, three C's. <laughs> and you mentioned putting uh, putting pepper sauce in there. That's pretty standard. I put pepper sauce on, like, 80% of what I cook. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I, um, I feel like when I was looking for uh, recipes for macaroni pie, I saw some people were saying that they make their sweet, and some were saying that they make it, like, more savory. Yeah, like cornbread that way. It kind of mm-hmm. has... Some variants. I usually go for savory myself. Right, yeah. With the hot sauce, it would be hard to to make that sweet, you I guess. You can sweet and spicy. You could... Trust, fam. You can have <laughs> sweet and spicy. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. 
Yeah. What's like, uh, I mean, I know you can't like give away too much, obviously. You can't can't give away the whole secret to the recipe. When you think of like the the best macaroni pie you've ever eaten, where was it? Mm, probably just at home. Probably just the one my dad makes. Nice. My dad's a pretty phenomenal cook, <laughs> so it's hard to beat his recipes. I like that. I uh, I always appreciate when people are just like unapologetically like, yeah, my, my parrot makes the, the optimal version of this food. Suck it. Yeah. I mean, it's also like what you're used to. Your preferences weigh pretty heavily into it. And like, I'm used to my dad's cooking. So right. it's what I like. Yeah, you fair know? enough. Plus, like, you can't get it that many places because there's like not any Trini restaurants where I grew up. So if I wanted Trini food, we had it at home. Right. And now I'm like, well, now I know all the recipes. So I don't go to the restaurant. <laughs> right. Yeah, fair enough. Do you have a, do you have like a family cookbook? Is that a thing for you guys? Not really. My dad doesn't use recipes at all. Okay. Um, he cooks everything off the cuff. Nice. Which is also how I do most of my cooking. But my grandma has like a collection of recipes and she's passed some of them along to me. I'm actually supposed to be working on a family cookbook because my aunt wants one. I And I told her I'd do that for her and it's... Uh, <laughs> I am an awful procrastinator. You know what? So... <laughs> You're working on it. It's just taking a while. a couple months till Christmas, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're supposed to do it for Christmas? I was supposed to do it for last Christmas. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. Family understands. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I asked about the family cookbook thing because I, um, I had a friend post on social media a couple weeks ago that they're like mom had written like their grandparents recipes down in a book and then like added you know added her own recipes and then handed it down to them and they were like I'm gonna start writing my own recipes in it and hand it down to my kids one day and I was like that is so cool and that makes me wish that any of my recipes were recipes and not just me being like I'm gonna throw in a can of this and a couple spoonfuls of that I'm gonna just kind of fuck around and see what happens and uh so I'm always curious if like I'm curious to see whose family recipes are like concrete recipes and whose families are like my family where it's just like, I don't know, you just cook it. My family definitely isn't like a concrete recipe kind of family other than certain things like our our Christmas cakes, our black cakes have a recipe and like our shortbread has a recipe. But I I don't think I'm missing out just because we don't have them written down because there's still, I guess my family passes down recipes as more of an oral tradition. Sure. So like when I was like, four I started hanging out in the kitchen with my dad and my grandma and they walked me through like all the standard things that we cooked and then all the kind of like anytime my dad would try a new recipe he'd be like oh hey like come into the kitchen and like watch me make this and he'd talk me through the process so that I understood like the basics right and then he'd be like but you know improvise smell the spices taste the sauce decide where you want to go with it but here's like your basis so you know where to go from there so it's like you can see the similarities between like my dad and my grandma's cooking, but you can also see where they differ. And then it's the same as like my dad's cooking and mine. And I almost like that better than having solid recipes, but that's probably also just because that's the way my family works. I get that. I think there is, there is something really nice about like teaching someone the sort of fundamentals of something and then letting them figure out the rest themselves. I think is a really, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, frankly, I think it's something that a lot of other types of pedagogy would really benefit from, you know? yeah yeah i i get that my my only like the only thing where i would follow a recipe to a t would be with baking and i'm not sure like to what extent it's true that baking is just like 
actually objectively more like amounts based than cooking is but i do feel like at some point i got it into my head that like if you're baking you have to follow a recipe to a t or it's going to be bad whereas with Mm -hmm. with cooking you can just kind of taste on the fly i don't know yeah the thing i find with baking as someone who's been a lot of both and has worked in a bakery i used the recipes the first couple months i was in the bakery and then i stopped because you get a feeling for it sure with like savory cooking there's a lot more room to like fix a mistake whereas like in baking you don't have as much wiggle room right necessarily but once you kind of get familiar with like the basics of like oh this is what a biscuit dough like this is what the texture should be like or like these are the approximate ratios then for me at least it's really easy to play around with it and be like oh well if i took out this ingredient and put in this ingredient and they act in like similar ways or they act in different ways and you just kind of like have a catalog in your head of what those like changes might be right but not everybody's brain works like that so yeah i i guess i know a lot of people who are like "Ooh, if i'm baking i'm using a recipe and i'm kind of like and sometimes it works out and sometimes it really doesn't (laughs) but i find that often hinges on like how rusty i am like Mm -hmm. i tried doing a bunch of like impromptu baking at the beginning of quarantine and everything just was awful because i hadn't baked in so long and i was like okay i'll use recipes for a little bit just to like get back in the swing of things Mm -hmm. so i think they're not as essential as like people often tout them to be like i know when i took home economics in middle school the teacher was like baking is chemistry and if you don't level off your measuring cup your cookies are gonna be awful and i was like cool let me sprinkle some baking powder in here and not use the measuring (laughs) like it's fine so you don't need to have a stick totally all the way up your ass, but like <laughs> you baking requires more respect. I think you mm. need to take it a little more seriously. That makes sense. It's kind of, I, I, I guess it's like both baking and cooking have their fundamentals that you like should understand before you start experimenting too much. Baking, yeah. baking just has maybe like harder ones, but yeah. once you've got them locked down, you can experiment just as much, you know? Yeah, I agree with that. I like that. I think, yeah, a lot of people just have more experience with cooking because you need to do it every day, whereas, like, baking for a lot of people is more of, like, a a once-in-a-while fun hobby. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It makes sense that people aren't as comfortable with it. That's it. I've been... uh it's been like a a long time thing for me that I I don't bake much like I in (laughs) fact very rarely do I do anything that qualifies as baking but I cook constantly and uh, I'm always telling myself like in the back of my head one of these days you got to get into baking you know one of these days I've got to just decide today is the day I'm going to start learning how to bake and start getting really into it but uh, I just haven't gotten there yet you know it's fun. That's it. It looks fun. It looks fun. Plus, like, you can have sweets anytime you want them. Right? You're like, ooh, I want to whip up some brownies. <laughs> That's there it. There they are. And, like, we have a mixer, so, like, I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't even really have to do it by hand. Like, I really oh, yeah. have no excuse. I just need to, to take that jump, you know? I believe in you. You can do it. Thank you. So, f- coming back to the macaroni pie, <laughs> you know, we've, we've talked about it as, you know, kind of like a pie. Would you say that it feels more like you are baking or like you're cooking when you make a macaroni pie? Oh, definitely more like I'm cooking. Okay, okay. Fair enough. The same way that like, you know, like when you make a quiche, it's kind of like halfway between baking and cooking. Sure. Like, kind of like that. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's really not that different from quiche. You just, instead of having a, a 
pastry dough, you have, you know, noodles. Sure. Sure, Tom. <laughs> Whatever you say. <laughs> um, okay. So I, I kind of like briefly alluded to like my go-to recipe earlier, and I'm curious what you mm-hmm. think, because I have had people react two ways to the idea of putting, you know, peas and corn into a mac and cheese uh and you can imagine one of those ways is good and the other is bad and i'm always curious what what's your take on that do you like to have any kind of like vegetable matter in your uh mac and cheese or are you a purist i think for the most part i prefer them as like a side dish the okay. mac and cheese but the way you were talking about it with like the mush like the cream of mushroom soup and everything in it and it's much more like casserole like than mm-hmm. just a plain mac and cheese i think i'd be fine with okay i think as a kid, my parents used to make mac and cheese, like when my mom was doing the cooking, and put just like frozen mixed vegetables in it, which is awful. <laughs> but if you're using like actual like good vegetables, I don't have a problem with it. But it's, again, it's like that you're actually cooking version versus the like you're throwing it together after work version. I gotta confess, mine are frozen. No, mine are frozen. No, I'm hey, sorry. No, I don't want it. <laughs> I'll never eat that. <laughs> I hate frozen vegetables the most. That's, you know what? I get it. For me, for me, what it comes down to is uh, I always like to try and find the, like, what I call the, like, easy accessible version of a thing, like, but still, like, still have it kind of tarted up and fancy and, like, taste like you've eaten something, like, complicated, if that makes sense. So for me, I always like to try and figure out, like, where can I do that, right? What can I what are the like four ingredients that I can buy at the grocery store for $2 a piece and throw together into a nice meal. And that's where my, my mac and cheese ends up coming from. Right. It's that like pay a dollar for a can of cream of mushroom soup, pay a, you know, two, $3 total for bags of frozen peas and corn, throw the macaroni in there. And then the rest of, you know, you actually spend money on the cheese. Cause then you can put a bunch of nice cheese in there. Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> and that like absolutely makes sense. And that's the way that like I've cooked for a really long time. And I think most people cook. And especially when you have kids like you do like that, it just makes sense. Right. It's economical. It's fast. If you eat the kids will eat it. Right. But now that I live alone and I have money, I'm like, huh, I don't have to cook like that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, for for every recipe I have that's, like, my mac and cheese where I just kind of grab a bunch of pre-made stuff and throw it together, I have things that I put actual work into. But uh, I don't know. There's, there's something huh, – I'm thinking about it, and most of the things that I have like that are, like – baked and involved cheese afterward (laughs) maybe it's just a maybe to me comfort food like that needs to be kind of lazy yeah because like if you're making yourself comfort food it's because you're like not feeling the hot right you don't want to have to like unless you're someone like me who like the process of cooking makes you feel better Mm -hmm. you don't want to spend all that time in the kitchen you're like i want my ridiculously decadent mac and cheese in my mouth (laughs) so that i can eat it while i cry and watch netflix Right. I want it in the next, like, hour. Yeah, exactly. Although, yeah, I mean, I'm torn because I also get a lot of joy out of cooking. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I just have some <laughs> nights where I'm, You know, like... even if it gives you joy, you're just too tired for it. You're like, not today. Yeah, exactly. That's it. It's it's one of those it's one of those calculations where you're like, do I have the energy to actually cook today? No. Do I still want to eat something good? Yes. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, like, for myself, I, like, balance that by, like, doing, like, prep cooking mm. on the days like like I'll spend two days out of the week where I'm in the kitchen for like eight hours wow. so it's like yeah I eat pizza on the days I don't want to cook but it's like 
still homemade dough that I've like put aside for myself and like I've prepped like the roast vegetables ahead of time mm-hmm. which also comes from me having worked in kitchens like I'm just used to like doing prep and just having stuff in the fridge to throw together right like that's my process I've I've transitioned from the like canned food to like no I cooked it all I just didn't cook it all today <laughs> right I like that. I, I want to try to get into more of that habit. I um I find especially, uh, I touched on this a little bit in last week's episode, but because I grill on charcoal, every time I grill, it's like such a fucking process getting the grill started, right? Like I have to, mm-hmm. I spend like, you know, anywhere from half an hour to 45 minutes, like not grilling, but still being by the grill before I actually get to start putting food on there. And, uh, you know, a lot of stuff that you cook on a grill cooks in like five, 10 minutes. And then you're like, okay, well, I just spent 45 minutes preheating the grill and then 10 minutes cooking. (laughs) And now I have to extinguish the coals and go upstairs. So I keep thinking like, one of these days, I'm going to start like bringing down enough food to grill that it like feels like I'm getting my my time's worth out of it. And then just, you know, having food for a few days afterward, that's that's pre-made. Yeah. I think that's a great idea. That's how I tend to do most of my cooking. It's like, I'll cook enough for the next couple of days. Yeah, that's it. As long as I don't get high and eat it all tonight, you know. Well, that's always a risk, yeah. yeah. <laughs> always a risk. <laughs> no, I, I haven't. I, I honestly haven't smoked weed since the pandemic started because I'm so paranoid because it's like it's a respiratory thing and I'm like, Oh, but if I, if I do anything to mess with my throat, like what if I get COVID because of it, which is dumb, but it's where my brain goes, you know? No, I totally had like the same deal. I was like, I don't want to like accidentally mistake my symptoms. I don't want to like make myself more vulnerable. So I ordered a ton of edibles. Hey, that's how you do it. (laughs) (laughs) I have thought about that. I got some if you need them. I have more than I need. I have so much more than I need. We can trade. You come over on a day when I'm grilling for like four straight hours to prep food. And uh, <laughs> final question on mac and cheese before we wrap up. This this was something that came up a couple episodes ago uh, about soup, which is wild because we weren't doing a soup episode. But uh, <laughs> my guest my guest like brought up, you know, whether or not soup counts as a meal or just as a dish, right? And kind of we landed on like, you know, some soups can be a meal, but like you kind of want extra stuff with it. Um, Do you think you can just eat mac and cheese as a meal or is it a side dish? I think it's definitely possible to eat it just as a meal, especially if it's like yours and it's got all the extras loaded in. But like, if you're only eating mac and cheese for dinner, like I really hope you had vegetables at lunch. Like that's (laughs) all I'm gonna say about it. Fair enough. It's part part of a complete dinner. Yeah. Yeah. But I've definitely just eaten mac and cheese before. I've definitely just only eaten like three whole boxes of KD. That was dinner. Yeah. But okay. So, so like, yes, in theory, but in an ideal world, you get a little something extra in there. Yeah. You know, ideally you'd have something green. Okay. Okay. I can dig that. That's, I think that's where I'm at too. It's like, I wouldn't necessarily want to just eat like a bowl of craft dinner for dinner and call it a day, <laughs> but like something a little bit more loaded. I think can get the job done. Definitely. Cool. Well, uh, before we wrap, do you have any uh, final thoughts on mac and cheese and or things you want to plug? Um, I have nothing to plug. My thoughts on mac mac and cheese are it's delicious and I wish I weren't lactose intolerant. Well, uh, thank you so much and uh, hopefully I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thank you. And that brings us to the end of our show for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Do you have a favorite 
way to make mac and cheese, a favorite way to consume mac and cheese. Maybe it's uh, something store-bought or something homemade or something you, you know, got at a restaurant from takeout, whatever. Mac and cheese is one of those things that can deliver well in takeout. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Le Cheese, a local Montreal, uh, you know, mac and cheese restaurant uh, in my neighborhood. They're uh, mac and cheese delivers very very well and i like it and uh, i think they put peas in it if memory serves maybe as maybe that's optional i feel like i've gotten peas in it before so fight me if you don't like peas in your mac and cheese whatever to each their own if you want to tell me all about your favorite things about mac and cheese yell at me about the way that i make mine or anything else uh, you can do it on twitter and instagram at down with talking um, if you like this episode and you want to help make the show even better, you can head to patreon.com slash up for discussion and donate. For as little as a dollar a month, you'd be joining the ranks of fine folks like Patrick, Gabriel, Kendallin, Carlea, Thomas, George, Poppy, Killian, Sarah, Angelica, Will, Anne, Andrew, Laura, Kate, and Erica. Our patrons get access to our Discord server, the ability to request topics for episodes of the show, invites to exclusive monthly Zoom dinner parties, and so much more. Again, that's patreon.com slash up for discussion. We also have merch. You can hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get all sorts of great stuff from our lovely friends over at TeePublic. And of course, you can support us for free by leaving a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice and by sharing this episode with a friend. Again, for every new review we get during the month of September, I will be donating a dollar to the Depot NDG. So please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and make that happen. Our theme music for the show is by Zach Ingalls, and our cover art is by David Flam. You can find links to support both of them in the description of this episode, and I would highly recommend you do that. You can also find links to everything that uh, Jeremiah and Matt mentioned during this episode in the description as well. And last but not least, this show is produced and edited by me, Tom Zalatni, as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. See you next week. I hope you understand. Just takes a little time, it takes a little time, it takes a little time with me. I hope you don't mind, we'll take it slow this time. Hey there, campers. My name is Emmett, and I'm the host of Gaze in the Woods, a podcast that explores rural LGBTQIA2 experiences, from radical fairies and lesbian farmers to backwoods slam poets and community organizers organizing communities the community didn't know where they were all along. Can you have a pride parade when you're the only gay in the village? What is camp when you live in a trailer? And if a genderqueer bear shares their pronouns in the forest and nobody gets it, is anything real? I don't know, but let's find out together on Gaze in the Woods, an Upford Network podcast. If you're someone who interacts with kids, you're probably familiar with moments of being asked questions you're just not equipped to answer. Whether it's the old favorite, where do babies come from, or the nuances of discrimination, Rad Child Podcast has your back. Each episode, your host, Seth Day, leads a discussion about topics like race, disability, loss, gender, sexuality, and so much more. Our goal is to give grown-ups the tools to talk to kids about almost anything. So come give a listen. Rad Child Podcast, helping to raise a generation of open, compassionate, rad kids. Available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and just about anywhere else.